You are listening to Fast Growth Funding, the podcast all about helping you demystify the world of AI investments. Sponsored by EAG Ventures, where entrepreneurs help entrepreneurs. This show is all about helping give as much value as possible to investors and entrepreneurs alike. So if you like what you hear, please do subscribe to the show and share this episode with your network to help us reach more people just like you. Thanks again. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Fast Growth Funding. Once again, I'm joined by Guy Riemann. Guy, nice to see you. Hello, Ivan. It's becoming a regular thing, this isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're essentially a co-host now, so <laughs> you just got to embrace it. <laughs> yeah, and we've got a great guest on today, Gordon Bateman from CRSI and Investor Ladder as well. Gordon, nice to see you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I do. Thank you very much for inviting me this morning. Yeah, no problem. We were actually scheduled to do this podcast episode back a couple of days ago. And when we joined, you guys were looking very, very fancy. You're at an event, super dapper, both of you. Do you want to just give me an like, where were you guys? What was that all about? Okay, I'll pick that up. We, we were, we were at a, a closed beta launch for an NFT platform. So Gordon is involved from a, an operational point of view. And I was there as a, an early, early stage investor in this platform. And the event was, it was an amazing event, actually. You know, it was full of the investors that have come in at this early stage to back it and, and taking all the, you know, the, the risk that's involved with that. It was the team that is being steadily being built to support this, this company's growth. We're all there. So I met all, all those guys, quite a few content creators. And without, I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm not actually sure about what's public and what's not, Gordon, but I'll just at a very high level and, you know, you can jump in if uh, I'm overstepping here. But the NFT platform is really, I see it as the second iteration of, of where uh, NFTs are. So, you know, everyone will have seen, you know, maybe 18 months, 12 months ago, really rapid rise of NFTs. People put stupid money into it, quite frankly. Valuations soared completely unrealistically. Uh, and then there was, a, as, as there always is with these tech situations, there was a, you know, a rapid decline. And, you know, valuations plummeted. People lost a lot of money. They were just overvalued, you know, these companies and were just overvalued from, from the get-go. People got overexcited. And, and now, actually, what's happening is it's becoming normalized. And this is, an, you know, this is completely what happens with new technologies in almost every case where they have a rapid rise. Then there's a, you know, a, a big fall. And then, then there's a slow growth to a sort of a normal, a realistic kind of commercial level. And I think we're at the bottom of that peak now and we're beginning to just grow slowly. And, you know, the money that people are putting in is far more realistic. The valuations are far more realistic. And actually what people have done now, NFTs, when they, you know, came out were just basically pieces of digital art, you know, and tickets maybe and, and, and some just basic stuff like that. Now there's far more depth to the offering. People are involved in charities. People are involving other forms of content. You know, there was just by one example, and hopefully this doesn't overstep the mark, there were a bunch of content creators. So basically these were young musicians in particular that were at the event. And they've now got a platform which is protected by the blockchain. So it can guarantee authenticity where they can put some of their material in very limited, you know, numbers and, and sell them. And, you know, if you bat the right artist and then playing opening Glastonbury in the next sort of three years down the line, then you've actually got quite a valuable piece of musical history at that point. 
where you can genuinely prove authenticity of, of that particular piece. And it's, you know, it's far more than just having a, a record or something like that, you know, putting things like videos on this platform protected by the blockchain. That's way different to the initial NFT offerings. And there's other layers of value that you can add now that weren't there in the initial stages. So it's, it's coming a long way and it's providing genuine value now. Interesting. That's super exciting. Gordon, guy hasn't given away too much confidential information there, has he? No, and hasn't spoken as much as I clearly did at the event because my voice hasn't come back from the event yet. So hence the croakiness there on the podcast. So apologies for that as well. But no, that's a, a really good description of what this is all about. I thought I'd dialed into one of those dodgy phone lines when I spoke to you first thing this morning, Gordon. <laughs> I try my best, you know. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of sets us up quite nicely for what we want to talk about today, which is investors being part of, you know, Guy, what you've labeled when we were doing a planning for this episode as an investor ecosystem. And I know, Gordon, with the work you do with Invested out of this, very much something that you specialize in doing is bringing investors and entrepreneurs together through events and community activities. So what we're going to do is talk about, you know, what that means, what an investor ecosystem is, and for new investors, how can they you know, get more involved in this and what are come the benefits to investors of being part of these communities. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. I'm very excited to to get started. Before we, we actually go and get completely stuck in, do we want to just define what an investor ecosystem is? Because at the minute, that, that phrase might feel a little bit vague to lots of people. So what, what exactly is an investor ecosystem? I guess from my perspective, what guys just talked about actually with the platform sums it up quite well. So we had a first-time founder looking to build a business with an investor ecosystem. It brings together genuine investors, people who are in the investment and high growth sector to work together and genuinely collaborate. So that means that if you look at a lot of things that happened formally, you've got accelerators, incubators, they very much focus around a program that gets you investment. No one sets up a business to raise money. They set up a business to grow and money is a function of growth. So if you bring together people who genuinely work within this arena, genuinely understand it, or with a shared vision and a shared goal. So that could be angel investors or individual investors, family offices, venture capital companies, private equity, etc. And they're collaborating and sharing information. They can share knowledge. They can share deal flow. They can work out how do you value a company. Things are moving ridiculously quickly at the moment in both directions. So how do you balance a true and fair valuation? You've got more understanding of how everybody along the supply chain works. So if you're an individual investor or you're raising individual investment and don't understand what the next level of investors are going to be looking for your own business, you can go off in the wrong direction. So by bringing all of that together, you get a better understanding and also you get better support within your organization. So that's how I define it. So it's a group of active individuals or organizations who are within the sector collaborating together to a, a shared goal. You know, Gordon actually, as, as you said in the introduction, runs a, an organization called Investor Ladder, which is actually where I met Gordon. I went to a, an Investor Ladder event, which I really enjoyed in Reform Radio in Manchester and at the Bonded Warehouse. And, you know, it was the first time I've come across really a place or a group with such numbers that brought the investment community together, as well as entrepreneurs, and with kind of shared goals. And, you know, it's, it's been very disparate before, in my opinion, where 
you know, either individual investors, whether they be privately wealthy individuals or companies uh, or things like family offices, where, where it brings, you know, all these groups of people together in a, in a collaborative way. Uh, up to that point, in my view, is being quite, quite disparate. And like Gordon says, you know, there's real value in that because the majority of the time, particularly with the sort of the seed stage and the seed plus stage, it's not one company or one individual that funds the, the, the investment round. It is, it's typically a number of companies, individuals. So for me, I'm, you know, I've always worked in a collaborative way with other companies and companies that could be classed as my competitors. But I think in almost every situation that there's real value in that. And to give you some example, you know, we, and, and my company is obviously behind this podcast, EHE Ventures. We funded an insurtech company in early last year, and we raised a couple of million quid to get them started. And it was really a group of individual investors that we pulled together from our network that all contributed reasonable sums of money to kind of make that happen. And, you know, then further down the line, you know, we're currently raising money for a fund, which will be AI focusing on AI companies. But the point is there that, you know, we probably won't be the full investor on each of those companies that we select that we want to support. We'll be the lead investor and then we'll bring in our friends and colleagues from other companies and, you know, other individuals and other groups and other family offices. We'll bring them in and offer them the opportunity to, if they like what they see, to, you know, build around and, and then allow that company to, to do what they want to do. And, hopefully be very successful and, and, and get towards the exit that they're moving towards. So, you know, that that network is so important. And increasingly with groups like Investor Ladder, and I quite honestly, Investor Ladder is the biggest and the best one I've ever come across. They bring community together and we all work together instead of working against each other. Thanks, Garcia. Very nice of you to say. I mean, and it's becoming increasingly necessary. You talk about AI. Investors are learning as well, right? Technology is moving really, really quickly. So I think, as you say, at that seed and pre-seed piece, there's always been a bit of collaboration because very few individual investors will have all the money to be able to do an entire deal. But now, if you look later stage, collaboration is becoming even more important because AI is across everything. So what is AI really? Are you a fintech business or are you a life sciences business? So you've now got people who've historically focused on a sector like healthcare and now investing in digital. So uh, a typical investment model where you might be putting money in and not seeing anything for 10 years. Now you're seeing a turnaround in a year or two years. And so your life sciences investor has to absolutely has to collaborate with a digital and tech investor and with AI specialists. So at all levels now we're seeing that need to share knowledge because everything's moving too quickly. Everything's moving to pace and it's becoming increasingly complex. You know, we're seeing this in cyber. There isn't that siloed mentality that we used to have two or three years ago. So one of the things is, as you were talking there, I think one of the things that's important about what we do at Investor an ecosystem has nothing to sell. Companies have things to sell and things to do. An ecosystem has no agenda to sell a product or a service and that's critical we just sit in the middle to help facilitate all of those things and to help build those connections which is why we can be that honest broker that um is really just about trying to make things move quicker and better 
Can I just pick up on one thing you said there, Gordon, which which is a really important point I just want to call out. A couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to listen to a talk by Kathy Wood, who leads ARK Invest, which is probably the best-known kind of tech-focused uh, investment company uh, in the world. For example, 10% of their stock is always Tesla and stuff like that. You know, So they really keep an eye on what's going on there. And the way that they, they organize their investments isn't by sector, it's by technology. And I think, you know, I, and when I saw that, then I, I thought, do you know what? I can see over the next two or three years, I can see investors increasingly become less concerned about sector and more concerned about technology and how a company from whatever sector they work in adopt that technology and use that technology to their advantage. And it's happening. EHE is absolutely focused on technology rather than sector. We don't really care about sector. There's going to be sectors that we, we know may be a little bit better than others, but I had no knowledge of the insurance sector when we backed Peppercorn, this insure tech firm. It was all about the technology and the fact that it was you know, a product that was powered by AI and genuine AI for a start and not AI for the sake of it. So I think, you know, increasingly investors are beginning to focus on technologies rather than sectors. I think we're seeing that more and more, you know, as exactly as what you said with EHE, because sectors change, they fluctuate. Let's go back to the thing that we were at the other night where I lost my voice. The, the NFT commercial bit has bubbled and collapsed and is now growing again, but the technology constantly moves forward. We saw that with e-commerce, we saw that with mobile. So if you've got investors who understand the technology that you're working with, that investor can give you advice because they're across a number of sectors. So you might build an AI solution in, in sure tech, as you, as you talked about, Guy. Let's say, heaven forbid, there's an issue with the insurance sector. An investor understands your technology, can say to you, do you know what, why don't you use this in automotive? They're booming right now. Or why don't you use it in the creative industry? So the investor can track the markets and help you pivot or move aligned with how the, how the market's moving as well. So that sharing of knowledge, and that's where the ecosystem and network effect really, really makes a big difference. I think it's really important, actually. Again, in, investors are going to have to change the, the way that they think a little bit. You know, one of the things that myself and my business partner, Gary Fletcher, do is every year we go to California to a conference called Abundance 360. And that conference looks forward at where technology is going, and it brings in these industry and sector-leading and tech-leading individuals who then talk about what they're up to. And honestly, most of them you've probably never heard of in your life, but they are genuine leaders in their field. And you get a real feel for where tech's going. And I think that's so important from a, an investor point of view because for a couple of reasons. One is that when, you, when you're looking at pitch decks and you're, you know, you're filtering through the literally the hundreds of pitch decks you receive every single year, then you need to have a feel for whether that company is going to be relevant in the next two or three years uh, and whether they're on top of it and they've got a, a you know, good understanding of where everything's going. And then secondly, actually, if you stay on top of things and you invest in a company and, and perhaps you're advising that company as well, then if you do notice that they're not picking up on something and, and there's something you're aware of, you can advise them as well and help them and educate them a little bit on on those things, if, it, if there's some things that they kind of haven't picked up a, 
along the way. So I think investors increasingly have to understand the direction of travel, the technology. They don't have to be geeks. They don't have to code. They don't have to know all that detail, but they have to understand at a very high level where technology is moving. And those kind of events can really inform that kind of thinking. And the second point I want to make is I think increasingly we're going to see investors with tech teams behind them who can lift the hood and look at whether something, when they're doing, doing the due diligence uh, and actually throughout the process and as to whether the company that they are thinking of backing or whether it's a company they've backed, whether they're doing uh, what they said they were going to do, whether they've got you know the quality of CTO in place and the quality of engineers in place. So you know, one thing at EHE within our group is that we have a, a team of engineers who help tech startups build companies, but that also allows us to have a look at some of the companies that we're thinking of backing and do a bit more of a deep dive and be certain that the tech they're talking about is relevant and any tech that they've built is of the required quality. And the AI isn't just vaporware. There is genuine AI built into the platform or whatever product or whatever it is they're building. It's actually generating value rather than being there for the sake of it. But I think that's the real value of EHE, and I'm not saying that because I'm on your podcast, but that is the point, is that people don't want just money. They want actual real value, and they want knowledge and understanding. As you say, not to get into the weeds of how it's coded, but actually, is this going to be able to do? And then if I go back to what you were saying about Abundance 360, it's amazing. But isn't it a shame we've got to go to the US? So I'm going to put in an absolute shameless plug here, is that <laughs> part of what we do as Invest Ladder is to... You know, a lot of early stage businesses, a lot of companies, a lot of investors can't get to that, can't be traveling around the world. You know, the slush, Web Summit, South by Southwest, Abundance 360, et cetera. We all have to get on a plane. So at Invest Ladder, we came up with this idea of bringing that to the UK to bring a very high quality, lot of content, both on a stage and in round tables and masterclasses into the UK. So here's my shameless plug. We have a an event that runs annually now in the UK called Climb. So this year it's Climb 23 with 200 and odd speakers from around the world, 50 workshops and masterclasses. And we go bigger and better next year on the 11th and 12th of June, where all of what you've talked about, Guy, of bringing that depth of knowledge, that expertise in industry, technology, innovation, investment in a sharing and educational manner. A lot of fun going on at the same time. With you. I think I could just leave you guys to have a great conversation and that would be that would be the podcast. But I do have some questions about the formulation of this ecosystem. Obviously, what you do, Gordon, as, with part of Investor Ladder and what you've been doing for so long is bringing these communities together and, you know, creating, you know, the space for these people, for investors and entrepreneurs to meet. I just want to get some insights into the creation of the ecosystem. Like, how do you go about building these communities and, and stitching this together? Because although Climb is an amazing event, an ecosystem would suggest that it's not just one event in isolation that create makes it an ecosystem that tends to be other kind of steps and communities and sub-communities that are part of that. So do you want to just talk me through the, the kind of the, the, the building blocks of an ecosystem in your mind and how do you formulate one? Yeah, so I'll just try to keep it short, but it started in a grumpy old man moment, to be honest. What I was seeing is that things weren't working from either side of the equation. So companies weren't really under, or founders weren't really understanding 
the investment landscape and investors outside of London, Cambridge, were really struggling to navigate or investors who were based in London and Cambridge, which are national and international investors, were struggling to navigate the regional ecosystem, regional landscapes. And it's not because those were worse. It's they're often more fragmented, they're younger. And so the idea was how do you connect people better? So we didn't run pitching of it. We didn't run any events, in fairness. We just got like-minded people together. I used to call it a conference without any content. It was the idea of by people through referral, through networking, would invite other people. The first one we did was meant to be two people. We ended up with 65 people in a room and 16 billion pounds of active funds under investment. The key is that it's a safe place, that no one's selling to each other, no one's pitching to each other. Yes, some companies who are in that ecosystem, you would hope, will get investment from that, but it's more around building the glue of how that happens. And our role at Invest Ladder is to make sure it's balanced. There's no point in having a room of just 50 or uh, a network of just 50 investors or 100 investors or 1,000 as it is now. You've got to bring the other component parts. So we have to be constantly tracking what's required to get that economies of scale together to actually think, well, we need somebody from this background into there. We need an industry expert in AI coming in and talking to people. And then giving it the chance to grow and evolve and a life of its own. So you're right, it's not one event, it's not a series of events. It's a group of, it's a bit like an ecosystem in geography is no one owns it. There's people who help to, to stimulate it. There's people who help to protect it. But actually, we're all in it together. And that's the key piece that there is that common vision that we all have. So, so how it's constructed is you plant the seed, just watch it grow and do whatever you can around it to help it grow. So sadly, I haven't got a formulaic, oh, here's how to build Invest Ladder 2 down the road. Because that if we, if we were to do this in Singapore, which we're now actually talking around, the way that evolves and the way that looks in 10 years' time will be very different to what Invest Ladder looks like in the UK or in the US. You've just got to plant the seed get everyone committed to protecting and growing that and monitor it and, and do what you can to help it really. Yeah. Which probably also creating some level of sustainability there as well. Obviously putting the building blocks in place to make it grow and happen, but you'd expect with something like investor ladder as well, do you feel it, do you, does it look to you as also kind of a living, breathing ecosystem that sustains itself as well as, you know, you feeding back into it? To some degree, but let's be honest, it takes time resources so you know it has to be protected and that's why we run uh, that's why we have to charge for some of the things that we do so climb is a ticketed event you know it costs this year nearly a million pounds to put together it's a very low cost individually isn't it gordon you know it's not a big expense at all you know in the scheme of things it really no is. not at all i mean slush is 600 euros a ticket ours is currently 175, I think. But if you're a returner from last year, it's less. And I'm going to get battered for this, but there is actually a sale going on over Christmas and the tickets. So my marketing team will kill me because sales will probably drop off for a short amount of time. But but yeah, with the idea was to make this accessible to early stage businesses, to early stage investors, etc. We don't. We're not here to make a ridiculous profit. It's there that, as you say, it's sustainable. It's a bit like. Um, the NFT platform we talked about right at the beginning, it makes money for charities and foundations and emerging talent. But if it goes bankrupt and it can't do that, then those charities will fail. It's the same with InvestLadder. We have to make sure that we're a sustainable entity to continue 
doing what we've been doing for the last 10 years. As a, an investor and a member of the Investor Ladder community. So since I've joined Investor Ladder, I've met so many people that have got the same mindset as me, which is one of collaboration. And I think, you know, something like Investor Ladder, you get the best out of it if you've got a the mindset that you want to collaborate even with people that on paper your competition. In reality, we all we if we all work together, actually we, we can all benefit from that collaboration as opposed to keep you know, the, the days of keeping content close to your chest and working in isolation have gone. You know, the world is a, a big place now and you know collaboration is the difference between you ten times in your turnover over the next five to 10 years and a hundred times in your turnover over the next five to 10 years. It's the only way you can grow at that kind of rate is by collaboration. You can't do it on your own. So, you know, I've met so many people now that I'm in regular touch with that where we're beginning to uh, work out how we work together for, for the benefit of both organizations. And I think the other thing it's done is you know, when you talk to these people and you, you're going out, you, you know, you, you, you kind of you go to these events and you, you do the formal bit, actually, but all the really good conversations come in the bar afterwards. And you know I'm pretty good at that, Ivan and Gordon. <laughs> Hence yeah. why I've got no voice going. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> many, many, late, <laughs> many late nights stuck in a, in a bar with, with Guy, that's for sure. <laughs> and, you know, that's when you, you, you really do form relationships, but you also learn. And, you know, I've learned so much. I'm a tech guy that's come into the investment world, right? Whereas some of the people within AHE are investor people that have come into the tech world. And we're, we're all learning about how this works. And the investor ladder is where you're meeting all these people with different ideas and different ways of doing things. And you learn so much and you, you, you improve so much quicker by working in this collaborative networking type manner. But it's funny, isn't it? So in my first ever out of university sales role, it was all about the win-win, right? Which is by default collaboration. And it's interesting. We learned this by mistake. A lot of things that we've achieved have been through continual learning. But when we did our first ever get together, we just gave everyone, there was no GDPR, they're not just, but we <laughs> gave everyone each other's contract details, which people who ran events thought we were mad. And one person who allegedly ran an ecosystem, I said to him, this is big. You had a young guy at our events. He's networked like mad. You need to pat him on the back. It's a pretty intimidating room when you've got some of the leading investors from the UK together. And this guy said, as long as you've got everyone's contact details, I don't really care. Guess what? That guy's no longer in the industry. Do you know, it, we learned pretty quickly is that, you know, at Climb, we have an app. Most events, as soon as the, app, the event is finished, they switch the app off. Client 23, the app, I think, is still live. So people can still communicate with each other on that app. The reason why it's an app as opposed to giving out each other's contact deals is A, GDPR, and B, it's just too much to do. But the point is, the more we can facilitate that, the more those relationships build, the better things happen, and we just keep moving forward. But anyone who tries to own these things and tries to do things without a win-win just isn't going to make it in the in, in, in and, and if you look at the next generation of people coming in, if you've not got a purpose and you've got a vision, you're not going to be able to employ anyone. If you look at the young people we employ, look at the, my own family, my children, they want to see a purpose. They want to see that collaboration. So if you haven't got that heart of what you're doing, they'll just go and work somewhere else. See, there's many layers why, why this is important. 
do, do you think that the nature of the of an investor has changed over the last sort of five to ten years which has made more people hungry to be part of like a community and an ecosystem have you noticed any kind of differences in, in the the way in which investors behave now we talked in one of the first episodes we did with gary and, and guy about the entrepreneur turned investor and how there's a kind of a new a different breed rather than just the kind of professional vc do, do you think there's more of those kind of people surfacing now and therefore wanting to be part of a community due to passion and just a kind of a different nature of the investment world definitely but still not enough so people talk about an equity gap between the regions and certainly say london and southeast there is but everyone can move trains planes and automobiles right but there's a knowledge gap back in the 90s i show my age isn't it when we first started getting involved in this entrepreneurs would be successful they would exit and they would leave the industry some are now coming back in. What we're seeing now is that more, and maybe this is a part of we're not retiring or we shouldn't be retiring at 65 and 70 anymore. So people are coming back in for the system quicker and they're coming back in with often a passion about something that is beyond where they made their original money. So if I made my money in telecoms, I'm probably really interested in sustainability now and I want to invest in other areas. So another technology. So where do I learn that from? Well, getting involved with people like Guy, who's building a team around him at EHG, which is specialists in AI. That's the only way I'm going to learn. So we are seeing more of that, but there is still not enough of it. And we're also seeing that there's a very much a recognition with the real leading, and I mean real leading, and the true VCs that are in the sector. So Albion Ventures is a really good example. One of their investment managers felt that she needed to learn, so she phoned up every investment manager, so... So operator level role in all of VCs in her sector, in her area, in London, and create a breakfast club. That breakfast club is now to dive towards. You know, they get captains of industry going into that into that group. So we are seeing this happening more than 10 years ago, but it still requires more returning entrepreneurs. And that's where what so we were talking about this the other day. So hopefully not giving away back too much of what you're doing now, Guy, but bringing in exit entrepreneurs, you know, EHGs, entrepreneurs, help entrepreneurs, and bringing those people into a fund and getting them to work together, then it helps them get access to more things as well. So it, sh it shares the risk. So I know so many, um, and I use the term exit entrepreneurs as opposed to business angels, and I won't get into why, but, you know, people who pretend to be investors, but the exit entrepreneurs that I know so many who have come out of business, myself included, didn't really know what we're doing about investment, made decisions on emotion often and lost that money. You know, my investment port, I call my told you so fund because my wife was convinced that I would lose it. <laughs> and, and so the, but then if you have a fund structure, which is run by exit entrepreneurs and you feed into that and you can collaborate in that, guess what? Probably going to make a, a better judgment. You're going to get access to more things. So instead of seeing four things to invest in one, you're going to see, or the fund will see 400 to get down to 10. So, and then you can share ideas and equally, just like being a CEO, being an individual investor can be a pretty lonely place. So you want it to be fun. You're doing it for more than just making money. So as you're in part of an ecosystem, then it's actually a bit more interesting and engaging, whether that be at the bar or whether it be out on a sunny terrace halfway through an event, either way, you want to be surrounded by like-minded people. So that's why these things work. I'm going to just take a slide tangent slight deviation here just to uh, something i'm quite passionate about is that 
Yeah, the one thing you learn at conferences like Abundance 360 is what's coming around the corner. And one of those sectors is healthcare. So, you know, it's clear to me that the, the explosion in longevity technology is going to be huge and personalized health. Whereas at the moment, it's kind of sick care. Over the next few years, we're going to, we're going to move into a preventative mindset as opposed to a reactive mindset in terms of healthcare. And that doesn't mean, you know, going on these kind of weird and wacky diets and, you know, doing that. I mean, that could be part of it. But what I mean is that, you know, technology will identify, for example, cancers before they become uh, an issue. You'll be able to get drugs that are are personalized to you as opposed to generic drugs that they, at the moment, they can tend to have to kind of test it and see whether that one works. Well, if that one doesn't work because it has some nasty side effects on you that that aren't apparent on other people, then, you know, they'll try something else and so on. So we're moving towards that. So, you know, everybody's undoubtedly going to live longer. And over the sort of the next 10 years or so, I think that's going to, you know, become very, very apparent. So, you know, the retirement age is going to be pushed back. And I think that once you've exited successfully as an entrepreneur, it gives you kind of the four freedoms, you know, you've got freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of purpose, freedom of relationship. You can make choices in life that Gordon kind of alluded to. So you, you know, so many people I know who have been successful entrepreneurs have no intention of retiring. They might slow down a bit. They might do some cool things with the, the money that they've earned. But ultimately, they want to carry on adding value to this, this earth. And because that's built into them, it's, gene- you know, it's, it's in their genetics. They'll come back and, um, and, and do some more really cool stuff and, and change the world in their own way, whatever that is. Yeah, I think we talked about this in an earlier episode we did with Gary Fletcher guy, where we talked about most most sort of entrepreneurs turned investors aren't just investing in AI tech startups because they want to make lots of money. That's a one reason for sure because they want to see see. It's a measure of success, Ivan, at that point rather than a necessity. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I've not seen many genuine returning exit entrepreneurs who are now investors who do this to make more money on top of the money they've got as you say guys more of a it's a bit like you say about investor ladder is it has to be sustainable you need you need it's a very easy measure to show that it has been successful but equally the businesses that you're investing in need money so if they're not successful right then but very few investors that i know or genuine investors that i know are not there to make a few quid they're there to do bigger and better things and to move things forward yeah which I suppose why that therein lies the value of being part of a community and an ecosystem of sharing these ideas and sharing what you're genuinely passionate about with other people and being part of projects that kind of set you alight and get you interested and get you passionate about the project itself. And, you know, as a result of that, hopefully that that business will become profitable. And yes, you wouldn't lose your money, you'd make good returns. But it's the whole packaged experience as opposed to just dumping money in like a stock market and getting returns on it let's say it's a it's a different style of investing with a different style of person with a different kind of mindset let's say and i think people will come around because healthcare is going to get better people are going to live a lot longer then you know you're not going to be able to rely on the government to to pay uh, a decent pension because they won't be able to afford it because you know people can't you know people everyone retires at 65 and they're going to live longer then the, the country's just going to run out of money. So the, you know, the, the whole, this whole mindset will have to, will have to move. Uh, and I also think from people's own benefits, 
Someone once said to me that a guy called Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach said, retirement is giving your body permission to start shutting down. And there are so many stories out there where people do retire and they all of a sudden have no purpose in life. They're not adding any value and they kind of lose the mojo. And, you know, that then has implications on your mind and where your brain works and therefore eventually on your your body. So I think it's really healthy for us to carry on, albeit maybe at a reduced rate as we as we get uh, older and stay fitter, stay active, keep our brains active and continue to add value into the world because the world is going to struggle with not overpopulation in the next 10 years. It's going to start struggling with underpopulation because as countries become more and more abundant, like the Western world, the birth rate is below the number of people dying and that as, as that kind of spreads throughout the world then underpopulation is going to become the bigger issue that's a whole new podcast right <laughs> yeah. so we should you should try and bring on peter diamandis to come and give us some predictions of the future at some point wouldn't that be something that would be a that would be one hell of an episode i think <laughs> we are we are running a little bit low on time here so just before we close off i, I, I was gonna just talk a little bit about for listeners wanting to get involved with you know, an investor ecosystem or be part of this, Gordon, probably one of the best ways now is to is to introduce them to Climb24, this this climb event, which is amazing. Such a big ecosystem of, I think last year there was about a thousand people there. 1700. Wow. Yeah, there you go. But what's new? What's new in 2024 that, that we can excite people about if they wanted to be part of an investor ecosystem or get more involved? So it's interesting. So Climb was the first, Climb 23 was the first um, time we'd done this on this scale. We learned a lot from that. I think one of the most valuable things was that ability to network in a free environment. So we've realized a lot more of that. So we still have over 200 speakers lined up in different technologies, different areas. A lot of our main stage can be focused around growing businesses and leadership and well-being, et cetera. We've got over 50 workshops and masterclasses that are going to be delivered by founders, exited founders, investors, and industry experts. We have a number of social events happening through the two days. We've got facilitated networking. So we've taken areas where you can book a desk for meetings for half an hour at a time. So as you get to meet people, you can move around. So so a lot of some of the things that we saw in Climb 23, and if you go to the Climb 23 website, and look at the gallery, you'll see there's a lot of smiling faces on there. Just take that bit more structure around it a lot more content onto it and the ultimate goal is that we do have something like an abundance 360 or a slush or a web summit but not too big that you can't network around i think we were we're expecting somewhere between two and a half and three thousand people this year so the thing i most like about investor ladder is there are no powerpoint presentations powerpoints <laughs> about right there's no death by powerpoint you know it's all facilitated talks from panels of really interesting people who've got some really cool stuff to say. So it's almost like, you know, this podcast in some ways, Ivan, with you as the facilitator asking, you know, relevant questions and, and keeping everybody on track, which is hard with people like me and Gordon. So you've done a good job. And then people with interesting things to say. And so that's what I particularly like uh, about Investor Ladder. There's no death by PowerPoint. Investors, you know, if, you, if you're not a member of Investor Ladder, you absolutely should be. There, there's stuff that goes on throughout the year. And this, you know, the Investor Ladder event, I can't tell you how good it was this year in terms of meeting your peers, um, actually meeting some pretty cool startups as well. And, and listening to people with, with really cool stuff to say and, and learning. So I would, you know, 
for the ticket prices, it's peanuts really in the scheme of things. I'd recommend that you join and go. And if in between now and climb, we do have other events that happen which aren't, um, there isn't a fee to attend. So we have, well, we, we're trying to spread this message as broadly around the UK as well. So on the Invest Ladder website, we have just announced we're running in early in the new year, a smaller Invest Ladder event in Bristol and then one in Belfast. I think they're February and March or February and April. Yes, there are other things that's worth following Climb UK on LinkedIn, registering on the Invest Ladder website, and then you'll just be kept up to date of, we are we are quite spontaneous. We'll see there is a need and we'll build something to meet that need. So it's not that we have this 12 month program. In September, we have a Climb event focused exclusively on the healthcare sector per se, but it's not, it's going to be as broad as ever. And we're also planning Climb 25. So it is worth just linking into what we're doing and keeping an eye on things because there's lots of exciting things happening. Yeah, 100%. We're going to put all the links to get involved with Investor Ladder, join the ecosystem in, in the show notes as well. You can also, if anyone listening, can check out the Climb podcast, which was recorded over Climb 23. There's a lot of great interviews there of some of the, the, the guests that showed up. Hear some of their stories and get a feel for what the event's going to be like. So we'll drop a link in the show notes to the podcast as well, as well as the registration page for Climb 24 is going to be awesome okay guys i think that's a wrap thank you so much gordon and guy as ever uh, it's been great and uh, i'll see you soon thanks very much thank you thanks again for listening to fast growth funding don't forget to subscribe for instant access to new episodes and follow ehe ventures on linkedin for regular insights and updates on the world of ai investments if you are interested in learning more about ehe ventures or the ai early stage growth fund then let's chat just click the link in the show notes below, head over to our landing page, register interest, and we will spark up a whole conversation with you. Speak soon.